0: sup freaks it's your boy marty here to introduce this episode of tales from the crypt I the immense pleasure of sitting down with my good friend michael krieger again just to catch up things are pretty chaotic these days we we wanted to sit down and talk about canceling ourselves and using free and open source software to protect ourselves and our sovereignty in the digital age great two hour plus rip excuse me i'm burping here in the background and the burping and the burping remember that freak rob durst whatever his name was bob durst robert bob durst and the burping he started burping when he when he admitted to murdering his ex-wife it was pretty crazy we're not here to talk about bob durst though that sicko peeing on sandwiches doing all weird stuff we're going to introduce this episode michael krieger it's a great one again two hour plus rip i think you guys are really going to like it not going to waste your time this episode is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. You Freaks know all about them, but if you don't know about them, let me tell you about them. The home you stack sats, send sats, sell sats, and receive sats. They're also allowing you to DCA in the sats. That's dollar cost average. What is dollar cost averaging, Uncle Marty? It's when you buy a certain amount of something on a set schedule. So you can dollar cost average into Bitcoin. You can set it and forget it, buy $50 a day, a week bi weekly doesn't have to be fifty dollars, it could be less, it could be more. Uh, you said it and forget it. Cash App allows you to do that. And on top of that, they have their Bitcoin Boost, uh, which gets you sats back when you use your cash card at anywhere that visa is accepted and the boost is initiated. So they're getting you sats back as well. Uh, if you are stacking sats on the Cash App, make sure you're aware of the withdrawal limits five thousand dollars a week, two thousand a day. Um. So you got to make sure you're you're sweeping your Cash App wallet to personal storage as much as possible. On top of that, check out the Cash App's banking abilities. It could be a bank account that has account numbers and routing numbers. And you can get their paychecks direct deposited into the app. And then beyond that, there's a bunch of cool stuff as well, including their boost program. You can stack slivers of stocks if you want. So if you haven't downloaded the Cash App, go to your local app store, download it, and use the code stacking sats, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10 and $10 is going to go to Owl's Lacrosse. That's Owl's Lacrosse. <coughs> <coughs> this rep was also brought to you by our good friends at Adams. Adams, creating shoes for the low time preference Bitcoiner in mind and contributing to the circular economy as well. They accept Bitcoin payments on chain and second layer lightning payments. What is Adams? Adams is a shoe company, again, with the low time preference individual in mind. They're creating one of the most comfortable shoes that's going to form fit to your your foot because of the the foam sole uh, that it has. On top of that, it's got elastic shoelaces that you only have to tie once, and you can slip your shoes on and off, and they look incredible. You don't have to like flake up the back of the shoe. Uh, they have microbial copper going through the shoes, so your feet... So, you're, Well, I can't say that your feet won't smell. But your shoes won't smell because your feet smell. Uh the microbial copper going throughout the shoe, the lining makes it so that all the smelly feet people don't get their smelly feet smell into their shoes. And so it's not like that that weird situation where you walk to a friend's house and they ask you to take off your shoes, which is like cruel, especially if they don't clean their floors. But like even like I hey, Uncle Marty's gonna admit he was a smelly foot guy at one point and like taking off your shoes. Yeah, when you when you get to somebody's house and be like self-conscious about the smell eking from from the shoe is something you don't want to worry about. So Adams is here to help you out with that, all right? They got again, they're going to the shoe does not get smelly, long time preference. You're going to be able to have these shoes for longer because they don't smell. It's not like 3 months smelly shoes like with other shoes that you wear. Uh what else do they have the low time preference? They have quarter sizes. So you can get a a 10, a 10 and a quarter, a 10 and a half, 10 and 3 quarters or an 11. Again, they want it to be a perfect shoe, a perfect fit for your foot. Half sizes for the bygone era. A bunch of savages using half sizes. We use quarter sizes at Adams. So definitely go check out the shoes. On top of that, another low time preference, like selling point of the shoe. They can wa- You can wash them so they get dirty you throw them in the, in the wash. You wash them in the machine, then you air dry them, and they're good to go. Best best bang for your buck. we got to think of bang for your buck for sats. Best bang for your buck. Hmm. Best bang for your buck. Best something for your sats. We have to think of something there, freaks. Let's think about it. But first, before we get that little thing figured out, go to adams.com, A-T-O-M-S dot com slash T-F-T-C, if you're going to pick up a pair of shoes and you use that link, again, Adams, A-T-O-M-S dot com slash T-F-T-C, you're going to get a free pair of their dope socks at checkout. Adams, shoe with the low time preference individual in mind. In this episode, with Michael Krieger brought to you for the individual with low time preference in mind and a revolutionary spirit. We can do this, freaks. We can walk away. We can create something new. The opportunity has never been better for us to, to utilize free and open source software and tools to walk away. We can walk away. We don't need to depend on these corrupt politicians to change things. We can change things ourselves. You can do it yourself. It's powerful. More and more people need to realize this. and I hope this conversation with Michael helps more people come to this realization. Enjoy, Freaks. What is going on in the world, Michael Krieger?
1: Oh, hey, Marty, great to be back on with you. It's, uh, it's perfect timing, I think, right? The, the, as far as I'm concerned, the Rubicon was crossed a few days ago, uh, and by that I just mean, you know, this sort of thing has happened before with, with tech censorship, but in this case, given the circumstances, uh, the, the, the political nature of it, the overt political nature of what happened, you, you, you can't walk this back. You know, and I think, and I think Jack at Twitter with his thread yesterday was sort of trying to, or um, you know, taking a, a less mobbish perspective on what's going on. But even what was even clear from his thread is that you, you know, this is not walk backable. You know, we're, we're sort of in this, we're, we're sort of in this new situation. And as I wrote in my piece yesterday, cancel yourself. Um, we have to deal with it. You know, um, we, we can't pretend it's not happening. It's happened at this point. It, is, it has happened.
0: Yeah, it's happened. People have been warning about it for years. It, I mean, some people will say it started with Gamergate. Others will say it started with Milo getting banned. But it just this trend has been growing and continuing for the last five or six years at least. And yeah, it is weird. We're at this weird part because you would consider yourself like not political. Right? And this is probably what the the crux of the conversation will be around is seeking alternatives outside of the political system, actually build a better world for, for yourself and your children. But it's just says so an observer of, of what's going on in the the realm of censorship by the big tech companies, it's just so crazy how overt the double standard is where obviously the rushing of the Capitol building was the last straw for the MAGA supporters on, on the big tech platforms. Uh, but like the, like saying that this is like domestic terrorism and they're inciting violence, uh, especially after the, the riots that went on this summer, it's just such a crazy double standard that it's becoming, everything's becoming more overt and in your face than, than ever before. Uh, and it's crazy how riled up everybody gets.
1: Right. So that, that's, uh, that's a really important and, and great point. And one I addressed in my recent post, you know, there's a reason I haven't written in six months. And there's also a reason I wrote for the first time and published yesterday. Um, you know, I, w- I don't think I would have written unless I felt that this was an actual huge opportunity. It's also dangerous, right? The opportunity is that all of a sudden, not a few thousand or a few hundred thousand even, but I would say millions of people, Americans specifically, because this, you know, what recently happened was an American political and technology phenomena, mostly, but globally as well, um, are, are, are ready, are, are, are confused, are angry, are, are, are motivated, okay? And that's the thing that's been missing in my opinion is motivation. Um, we're, we, we're so addicted to convenience uh, and our gadgets, and I understand why. It's not like I'm the special human that's not, right? We all, we all are to, some, to, to varying degrees. But now there's a motivation to sort of, okay, I, I sort of need to extricate myself from this if possible. And if we don't provide um, let's say people like us who, 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 whether it's Bitcoin or something else, we don't provide uh, a competing alternative that's more conscious and beneficial and, and long-term, right? Um, this energy and this angst will be directed somewhere. It's going to be either be directed into more craziness, right? People losing their minds, people lashing out. Um, you know, you know how that can be, right? I mean, everyone, you know, even the most conscious or enlightened person reacts with their reptilian brain from time to time. It's just everyone does it, okay? Some of us are maybe more aware of it than others and, and can control it, but we all do it. And so when you have millions of people um, potentially going down that road, it's very dangerous. But again, we, it's our duty, I think, um, people that have a different uh, view, right? And a different, let's say, path that we promote to, to, to reach out right now. Okay, because if we don't reach out, other people will reach out. And so I think there's a tremendous opportunity in that. And I think people aren't wanting to react negatively. Let me just give you a personal example. So when it all went down, I think it was Friday evening. um, You know, there's the Trump ban, which was one thing I, I sort of think a lot of people saw that coming once once he was out of office. So that didn't shock me as much as it is problematic. What really I think was shocking was was how Parler was just like taken out back and shot, right? right. And, and not just by right, one company, by a bunch. And also once Amazon stepped in by the, you know, sort of pillars of, of modern infra- internet infrastructure um, in general. So for the next 24 hours, I, you know, sort of went into that like dark hole we've talked about, you know, that I sort of w- w- experienced in the financial crisis and then I got out of it with Bitcoin, except that took me two years. In this case, fortunately, it only took me about 24 hours. I was like, <laughs> what's going on? You know, like, what, do I, what are we going to do? You know, um, This is, this is big, a big deal. And I was just processing it. Fortunately, though, thankfully, probably because you know I've been trying to work on this myself, I was able to come out of that quickly. And within 24 hours, I had an optimistic mission, personal mission. And I think that that lesson is what I'd like to, um, let's say, preach to others is, is that, not to come to the same conclusions that I did, but when you feel like you're backed into a corner or you feel, you know, this is a bad road we're going down, um, try to be productive about it in your thoughts. You can be overwhelmed by fear. You can, you can and then there's a fight or flight, right? That we all go through, right? Cause, cause a lot of us are like like, got, I gotta get out of here. Right? You know what I mean? I gotta leave, right? I gotta protect myself. But think it through, you know, think it through, think it through calmly, and then think about what can you do? And the answer that I came to was, it was similar to when I found Bitcoin. And when I found Bitcoin, I said, okay, there's this great path I can now devote energy to. And in this case, it was, hey, by the way, you know, people have been saying this for a while, as you mentioned, that we need web 3.0. We need a privacy focused peer to peer web again. Um, People have been working on this. There are tons of projects out there. And so I said to myself, you know what? I've been lazy. I've known this was coming for years. I've been lazy because I'm not so savvy with tech, but now I'm going to stop being lazy and I'm going to look into this stuff and I'm going to take action myself to become, to, to move up the learning curve. So anyway, that's my, and I became optimistic overnight, right? I was like, okay, I've got something to do. I got work to do. So let's get to work. Anyway, that's the perspective that I think a lot of other people could benefit from.
0: Yes. No again, thank you for writing that piece. It's comes an incredible point of in time. And again, you said it pulled you from the sidelines. You're planning on creating a whole new website and different vibe, but felt compelled considering the stakes and, and where they are right now. And it's, it's, it is crazy because, and, and like you said, channeling that energy is extremely important at this particular juncture like we don't want antifa and proud boys fighting it out in the streets (laughs) it's better it's better because what what are they fighting for they're fighting for the politicians who don't give a shit or about you (laughs) at the end of the day they're fighting to defend what they're putting forth and it's that's not going to change the world and like you said turning canceling yourself and turning towards these open source solutions and these distributed solutions is the best way to channel your energy, and on top of that, there's never been a better time to do it. It feels like, I, I think, I don't want to give Bitcoin too much credit, but I, I, I know as a Bitcoin-focused podcast, I may maybe biased towards this particular open source project. But I think the the incentive that Bitcoin has created as a monetary good, a digital bearer asset, monetary good, to be more specific, and the the security and um sort of self-sovereignty that that you can achieve with with this asset and that a lot of Bitcoiners strive to have has sort of incited this rearchitecting of thought about sovereign data and running hardware at your own house. So like in terms of being able to do it, yeah, it's not you're not gonna have the same UX as uh the apps that you have from the Apple App Store uh right out the bat, but you're gonna have access to to chatting apps to um VPN services, tour services, peer-to-peer digital money it's there.
1: right. So one of the things that uh, as you know and and we discussed on the on the last episode is that I, I have and uh, con- continue to consider Bitcoin a teacher. That's not to say I don't think it all you know it uh, creates a perfect um, or a very important Um, tool as far as savings technology permissionless value transfer, et cetera, globally um, censorship resistant, but I also see it as a teacher. Okay. On a macro level. And so this is a perfect example of it. And I, and I mentioned it in my post Um, what, my perspective is this, okay? I know you've had people on your, on your show or we engage with them all the time on Twitter who think, who claim this, right? They claim that money is the eternal realm of the state, right? Like render onto Caesar, which is Caesar's. Now, I don't render Caesar anything personally. I mean, we have to practically render Caesar things because otherwise you go to jail. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, you know, Caesar doesn't have the authority to, 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 to do anything, really. I don't, you know, I'm not philosophically... Uh, um, cut from that cloth. But what's interesting is that historically, that's correct when it comes to money, right? I mean, even when gold was used, you'd have the stamp of the emperor or whatever, right? some sort of stamp on it. It wasn't just a uh, it wasn't just a uh, you know plain gold coin. It would have some sort of stamp, which which said, you know, you know we're giving this is good gold or this is good silver or whatever, because it had that emperor's stamp on it. Um so historically, the state was um, or at least for thousands of years, has been the uh, the uh, sort of a wellspring of money, currency, whatever. Why Bitcoin is so revolutionary, other than the obvious, is that it's the first time in this new era I mean, we seem to be entering, digital era, right, that a decentralized, open source. Um, Global voluntary protocol has usurped essentially, or is attempting to usurp a core function that the state historically has managed. And it seems to be doing a better job than the state or the empire itself, right? The US empire. And and more and as a decade has gone on, more and more people are catching on to this, including members of the status quo and banking, right? You see them jumping into it now. And that's purely because in the market, it is out-competing, okay? As, let's just even say as a, as a store of value, okay? In a world where fiat currencies are being destroyed. But the point is this, the bigger point is this. If, if Bitcoin can do this to, let's say, money, store of value, currency, whatever, okay? What's to say that a global descent, a different even, or on top of Bitcoin, whatever, decentralized, global, voluntary, open source protocol can't, also usurp other functions of the state. One would be speech, okay? Now the US happens to have very good First Amendment law, the best in the world, really. Now in practice, it's, we're losing it because we've outsourced it to corporations. That's really our own fault, but we'll fix that. Um, but why not, uh, why couldn't right, a protocol or other protocols also usurp that from states? Not just the United States, but all states. Because a lot of other countries have more restrictive uh, speech laws where they criminalize certain right communications or speech that should obviously, from a human rights perspective, not be criminalized. Um, so we need Bitcoin for speech, okay? I don't care how that happens. I don't, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't have, you know what I'm saying? I don't have the skin in the game. But why can't that be applied? Why can't what Bitcoin is doing, usurping, right, a core function of the state happen with other things? And speech would be a clear clear one in my mind
0: i mean i don't want to get too far ahead of myself but i think the primitives <laughs> for building that like on things like the lightning network are already there i know people were sending pri- like uh, anonymous messages via the lightning network to the block stream satellite and that was just streaming messages to the earth from the bitcoin network from the lightning layer uh there was one guy in eastern europe like uh syndicating headlines from uh, newspapers that he wasn't or some people weren't allowed to access which was a a sort of use case that you just described there the sphinx chat app right now that uses the lightning network to send messages like if you're messaging on that app you're literally sending sats to send messages um uh, via the lightning network which is pretty crazy to think of so i think this is this is all possible and the question is is do you think there's enough, how do I want to phrase this? Is there too much apathy out there? Even though people are very angry and seem to be motivated at the moment, do you have faith or are you optimistic that people will be driven enough to, to actually act?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And my answer would be like from that field of dreams movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if, if you build it, they will come. Okay, it's a classic baby. So, <laughs> so, 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 so that's what happened with Bitcoin, isn't it? I mean, someone built Satoshi built it, and people came really slowly, and now there seems to be a stampede. Ten, ten years later.
0: Well, that's one of the. We actually discussed this on Clubhouse last night, the Bitcoin Weekly Meetup. Somebody asked, "What are the biggest threats to Bitcoin?" And we went into the mining hardware basic centralization at the foundry level conversation. And then Alex Thorne from Fidelity actually brought up a comment from Greg Maxwell, Bitcoin core contributor, very well-respected co-founder of Blockstream. I believe he said it somewhere on Reddit two years ago when answering the same question, what's Bitcoin's biggest threat? And he said, apathy, people not um, people not caring about the, the aspects that make Bitcoin valuable, which are the the aspects that make it distributed and robust against state attacks. So, well,
1: again, you know what I find interesting? So I, yeah, of course that's true. I just, I happen to think that we're fortunately on the upswing as far as like, we're, we're shedding apathy, I think in general. Um, so someone who's, you know, been in, in Bitcoin for a while um, since 2012 publicly, you know, I, I find it interesting in that I feel more camaraderie and sort of like, um, let's say, philosophical alignment with a lot of people out there in Bitcoin now than I even did back then, which I find encouraging, you know, in a sense. I mean, as the cycles progress, I actually think the understanding and the depth of it, not everyone, of course, right? I mean, you can always pick people from any sort of thing to, to, to say, look at this idiot, right? But, but I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm seeing so many, what I would say, like brethren out there, um, more so now than before, you know, I'm less jaded about Bitcoin than ever um, and the the individuals that are involved with it. And I think that's really, really great because I'm the sort of person that can be cynical and I can get disillusioned and anyone who's been in something for a long time and also has a, uh, let's say, um, what's the word? Uh, Nonconformist iconoclastic streak like I just do as a human. Um, I tend to, you know what I mean? When everyone joins, I tend to say, I don't want to be part of this party anymore. So it's always tempting for me to be like that, but I actually am am more encouraged with each passing day and nothing, absolutely nothing makes me happier than seeing like a 19 year old kid who's just so smart and so gets it because you can't beat that again, like the state can't beat that. And I tweeted this yesterday and it's a really interesting show to watch. I, I would suggest, I've been, I've been on this like history click, uh, Fix on, on Netflix. I always like history, but first we I watched with my wife Roman Empire, and it's a and it's a three season series that goes into the reigns of Caligula, Commodus, and Caesar. Just, just really interesting, you know, to see those power struggles and 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 the, and and how the history played out there. But now uh, we just finished Ottoman, um, which is mm-hmm. about the the conquest of Constantinople in 1453. Um, you know, this walled city of you know historical fame that, that stood for 1000 years as the, you know, Eastern Roman Empire. And then it was, it was finally after 23 or so armies had tried to conquer it, its walls were seen as impenetrable. And it's also strategically positioned um, geographically in a very favorable way. Finally, you know, this one guy, Sultan Mehmed conquered it. And the two things that he really did was um, he found this guy to build him giant cannons. Okay. Like the biggest cannons that had ever been assembled because you know, how are you going to bring walls down uh, of that nature unless you have giant cannons? So he did that. And that was one big component of his victory. But the other was that there was a section of Constantinople that was not as strongly defended. Okay. it's called the golden horn, I think, and it's this area of, 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 sea. And it was impossible to really get in there for a variety of reasons. But so what Mehmed did was he had this crazy um, vision where he told his troops to carry their ships over a hill, over land, hundreds of ships, and then dump them back into the ocean. <laughs> and so then they got, so, I mean, so, so you can imagine, right, the, you know, like Emperor Constantine waking up in the morning, all of a sudden seeing hundreds of ships in there and be like, what? <laughs> but anyway, I sort of, when, I, when watching this, I sort of thought of Bitcoin. You know, I thought of Bitcoin. And what it, what, the reason I, I thought of it is because there's two things there okay? There's cleverness and there's tech. And I feel like that's exactly what the stage of earth we're in right now. We've got this decrepit, lazy, I think, full of themselves with hubris, status quo, paradigm. It's been around for a while in, in so many ways, right? Whether it's just the state creating money, whatever. Um, we, have these, we have these like constructs of the, of the last couple thousand years that are dying, but refuse to change. And then you have this upstart community. Um, and it's not just Bitcoin, but of course, that's what I'm most familiar with, Bitcoiners in that sense, uh, of people who are this, no, 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 you know, this is not the world we wanna live in. Sorry, uh, we're, we're gonna pass on that. And also have the technological tools to actually realize the vision that they have. So, so it's like this cleverness plus plus new technology. If that could bring down Constantinople, which had stood for a thousand years, you know, what, what's to say, right? Bitcoin can't bring down uh, the, the current global paradigm. And I think that's where it's sort of Bitcoiners believe and people think it's a religion or people think we're naive. But I think we're just, we're just being, honestly, we're just being realistic and saying we can beat those odds. It's
0: a sly roundabout way, if you will.
1: Always though. Right? right. I mean, that's, you know, like you have to be, you have to be clever. You have to be clever. I and mean, you don't, well, you don't go up against uh, the U S you know, you don't go again, you don't go up against any sort of powerful structure that's decrepit head on. <laughs> I mean, it, that's just stupid.
0: Yeah. No. And Bitcoin is the perfect gorilla technology, completely distributed individuals running the software around the world. And on top of, Bitcoin being a clever, sly, roundabout way to take control of money back for individuals. Timing of this technology existing uh, can't be understated, right? Like it is, or overstated, I must say. Um, The the coalition of events happening as Bitcoin is maturing to the point that it that it is currently couldn't ask for a better better setup. So, like to answer my own question about apathy, we have trust in institutions at all time low all time lows it's and the, the being apathetic at this point would have to like as an individual have yourself question like all right what am i even doing here so maybe apathy isn't as big of a problem these days since people are so confused about what's going on and, and this, the amount of chaos at least in our political systems is at such a point where People should be seeking alternatives if they aren't.
1: Yeah, and I and I think they are, and I, I think look, I've been apathetic, as as I said before, I mean, I've been totally apathetic as far as getting getting up to speed on stuff I know I should have gotten up to speed on peer to peer privacy, open source tech. Right? I mean, so if I've been apathetic, you know, lots of people have been apathetic. But if I'm also motivated, I'm not the only one. There's no way. There's this, there's something in the air here. Right. I mean, there's something there. You just said yourself that in in the clubhouse, you know, you had a guy from Fidelity commenting, right? I mean, think about how absurd that would sound to you five, six years ago. He runs the room every week. Could you could you imagine could you imagine saying this five years ago? I mean, maybe we could have, but we would have been called crazy, right? Because we've always been called crazy.
0: Yeah. and like yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, like again, trusted institutions at all time lows, but then the Empress truly wears no clothes either. Like Christine Lagarde trying to come out and talk about Bitcoin, uh, in, uh, enabling funny business with a straight fa- face after every scandal she's been a part of, whether it be at the IMF, uh, ECB, whatever it may be. Like she's probably up there as, as one of the most powerful people in the world, and one of in the corrupt banking system. And <laughs> she's like the evil witch of the West, coming to say that Bitcoin's doing bad things and she, well, allowed, I lo- she yeah. allowed like Nicholas Sarkozy to give hundreds of millions of euros to one of his friends.
1: Well, I, I love how it rallied right in her face, though. Wasn't that great? Like, I mean, that was one of the best things about yesterday. I don't I, I don't really care, you know, care whether it's up or down right now anyway, but 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 that 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 rally in her face was just unbelievable. It was amazing. I loved every moment of it. You know, and so here's the thing. Did did you see um you know who Howard Marks is?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Did you, did you see that he had a, a new letter that mentioned Bitcoin, right?
0: He's become, was he, the one has become more neutral and his son's doing research on it.
1: Right. So I think the, I didn't read the letter, this, this last one, I, I read his letter from 2017 where he just bashed Bitcoin basically mm-hmm. and dismissed it completely, which, you know, which is what people like that, you know, people like him did three years ago. Right. It was just, it was just uh, sort of a reflex. Um, But I think Andrew is his son. I believe that's what people have been saying. The person he mentioned in the letter is Andrew, who's bought some, bought a bunch for his family and all. And now he's like, oh, I'm so happy my son bought me, you know what I mean? Bought me some while I told everyone not to three years ago, whatever, you know? I mean, but that just goes to show you don't freaking listen to all these heroes you may have, you know? Because a lot of people look at that guy, a lot of people in traditional finance look at him and say, you know, this is like God, okay? Okay of investing. So if he's saying Bitcoin is crap, I'm not going to buy Bitcoin. He's smarter than I am, right? Look at this guy. He's, he's worth X amount of dollars. That's just that appeal to authority mentality that's going to get you into trouble and you should never have, okay? Trust yourself, trust your brain, trust your, 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 uh, your knowledge, and also trust the fact that you might be 22 and no tech much better than a billionaire on Wall Street. And you probably do know it 10 times better. OK, so there's a, these asymmetry there and you shouldn't discount it. And so if you had worshipped Howard Marks and his track record and dismissed Bitcoin, you know, while his son was buying it for, for him, you know, you're an idiot. Right. right. You're the fool. So, you know, same. which brings me.
0: Yeah, Good. I was going to say the same with Jamie Dimon and his daughter.
1: Right. Right. Which brings me to like. Right. Which brings me to the next question, which brings me to the next point, which is, you know you know, have no, you know, have no heroes, have no idols. Okay. You know, this is, this is the era we're going into where, where all of our idols um, and heroes are vanquished. You know, I mean, if you think, you know, as again, as someone who loves history and thinks about things, it's, it's crazy how paradigms can just change. Okay. And let's just even say, you know, the obvious would be empires, but not just empires, just like sort of the religious landscape. I mean, think about how you went from, let's say the Western world um, worshiping, right. Temples to, you know, uh, there were the Greek and then the Roman gods, which were, which were mm-hmm. very similar, of course. Right. I mean, so you had temples to Dionysus and Apollo and Mars, right. All this stuff throughout the Greek Roman world. And then within a few hundred years, it's all gone. Right. No, I mean, gone, right? I mean, paganism or whatever, uh, polytheism from the Western world has just completely disappeared. And, uh, and you had something else. And there's a lesson in that. And the lesson is gigantic paradigms that humans create and live under are very fickle, okay? The two lessons though that I have are, first, one, they last longer than you think. But two, when they do go, they go fast and they don't come back. Okay. There's no, there was no, you know, we're not, no one's been building temples to Dionysus or not many people at least, (laughs) although it would be kind of fun, (laughs) um, have done, have done it in, in, in a couple thousand years. Okay. But that was the world. That was Mm -hmm. everything to people for, for generations and generations and generations. That was, that was, it would be, it would have been inconceivable to, to, to imagine a world without that and then in the course of a few hundred years, gone forever. So you know, are we at one of these times? I, I believe oh, that we are.
0: I do I as believe- well, I do as well. Uh, you mentioned Howard Marx's letter, another letter that I read recently from the institutional investor land, uh, Ross Stevens, I believe mm-hmm. Stone Ridge Capital. But he, he, I mean he, like I think last year with Money Printer burr and the Fed increasing the M2 money stock, uh, at the pace that they did really had a, everybody wake up like, well, what are we doing here? And at least we're at a moment where people are starting to question one of the pillars of our society that we just take for granted. This is what Ross said in his letter. He, he made the the fish and water analogy, like no a fish never questions what water is because it never really has had to. It just, it just is and society, particularly Western society, particularly the United States and U S citizens starting to ask the hard question what is money and have we taken money for granted our whole lives and again once you have these like like you said for whatever reason we humans are social beings that look for uh vindication or uh certification of ideas from people they deem to be of high status in this case hedge fund managers um but when you have this class of people sending these messages out there. People tend to be receptive from this class of of investor. That's when you have, you can have like a cultural shift, and that's something I've been saying. I think twenty twenty was a cultural tipping point for Bitcoin, where there's there's no turning back.
1: Yeah. So right, this is this is a great point. And what what's also been sort of uh, I get a chuckle of it, and I like it. But seeing someone of high, let's say, um, cerebral power, finally have Bitcoin click for them. Uh, Because for whatever reason, they either didn't take it seriously before, they weren't motivated enough to um, think that we had a big problem, as you just mentioned, right? So they just didn't find Bitcoin fascinating. But to see over the last, let's say, 12 months, a growing number of people with like a lot of horsepower up there For whatever reason, and I think the you know you mentioned the one of the big reasons is what's happened with uh, response to COVID from the central banks um, and governments, Uh, finally motivated to look, take a closer look at Bitcoin because they need an answer, right? They they need something uh, or they want something, and then and then and then having clicked for them, just like it clicked for you, okay? Because I remember you know when I first got into Bitcoin, I couldn't, as I mentioned before, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think of anything else. I couldn't stop talking about it. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little bit less crazy about it. Uh, it. You know, I'm a little bit, a little bit less obsessive than I was then, but to see, you know, a new, let's say convert um, start talking about it. You see that enthusiasm that that I remember having so many years ago. It's, it's cool, you know, and it's interesting. And and to see it though happen from like billionaire money managers is is weird. I have to admit, but it's interesting nonetheless.
0: Yeah, that Ross Stevens letter particularly was extremely eloquent and succinct, and really like drove home the point in eighteen pages. And in like it was great, it a great orange pill for. Like I said, it to my dad. He was like, "Wow, this is." There's some incredible lines in this and he really explains it in, in great detail. And actually while you're mentioning the early days, the having the aha moment, not being able to shut out about, shut up about it. I was having flashbacks to my dad, picking me up from the Philly airport. And I flew home from DePaul, like the first time I fell down, like in the beginning of my Bitcoin journey. And I just like had my, feet on the dashboard like a little dickhead just like talking about bitcoin for 45 minutes on the way home like dad this is this is gonna change the world man he's like all right whatever dude but well was funny because i remember so Similar thing. Right. So of course
1: I told my, you know, I was telling my dad about it and all this stuff way back in the day, you know, when it was like Mount Gox was the way you bought it <laughs> or like local Bitcoin. No, not local. What was it? What was the Shrem thing? A uh, bit instant. Um, you know, I remember, remember those days, like <laughs> anyways, it's crazy times, but, but, you know, so I told my dad about it and then he went on some vacation, you know, he's sitting on a beach, at some fancy resort. And uh, he meets another, you know, boomer with money. And they start talking about stuff, and my dad mentioned uh, Bitcoin. He's like, "My my son is just so into this Bitcoin." And the guy was like, "It's a scam," you know what I mean? And the guy was just like, you know, and he's God knows how much money this guy's worth, probably a ton, right? Because he acted like it, and he was just like that. Tell your son that's a scam to stay away. Blah, blah. and it was just so funny to me because this guy's probably buying it now, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? And you have to have faith in yourself, right? Like, and and Bitcoiners don't lack, you know, low, not. not don't lack that, <laughs> you, you know, they have that in spades. But but I'm just saying this to some people that maybe sometimes doubt themselves. It's always good to question yourself, always, right? I question myself every single day, constantly. Um, because I, you know, things I believe two years ago right, look foolish, things I believe, you know, 10 minutes ago probably look foolish too. But on the flip side, have faith in yourself in that, uh, to come to conclusions, okay? And as we discussed before, don't allow someone else's op- opinion just because they're in a position of, of perceived esteem or elite status to sway your own judgment on something. Now, if there's facts um, that emerge that, that make you, let's say waver, uh, waiver and that's a different thing, but, but don't, you know, you know, I think, I think what a lot of a lot of a lot of people speak with confidence and also you know this is another thing to remember okay one thing that i've learned a lot and, and you know i grew up i've been around you know well off people my whole life okay um, very wealthy people whether it's career or just upbringing you know whatever and so to those who are listening here that haven't been okay in that world let me just tell you with 100% certainty from personal experience these people aren't that smart and they're really? not that special
0: they're all bullshitting man they,
1: they they really are and 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 here's the other thing just because you can make a bunch of money in the fiat system okay that doesn't confer anything else to you okay you can make a bunch of money in the fiat system okay that it's actually not that hard okay i i i, I was doing it and could have continued to do it if i wanted to it's it's it, it takes a certain kind of cleverness and it takes it and it takes a drive to, to do that. So so in other words, if you're someone that's smart, okay, just gifted, let's say, with some positive uh, stuff up there. And your one thing is this, I just want to make money. That's all I want to do. I, I don't, you know, I want to make money. And you're smart. You're you You can make money. Okay, you can do it. It's really not that difficult. So a lot of the people out there that have amassed these these fortunes i mean they they some of them happen to be born at the right time you know like the baby boomer generation was just like gifted with a very easy uh, uh runway um so if you're of that generation and you are pretty smart and you and your one thing is i just want to make a lot of money you probably made a lot of money that's it though that's all that's all you had you're not you're not necessarily any 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 your, I guess what I'm saying is like that person's opinion on anything other than making money in the fiat system is probably not worth anything. Yes. Okay.
0: A lot of those people making tons of money are leading lives of quiet desperation. They're finding that, that money cannot bring them happiness or fulfillment. Right. I've met, the, I've met right. those people too. I think that was a big eye opening realization for me in my early 20s, late teens, was interning in the fund space and be like meeting chief investment officers. And yeah, obviously some extremely smart people in the industry, but some people you would expect to, to have a better understanding of things that are going on really shocked me at a young age. Like, Oh, this dude is really no different other than position. Um, Right. Oh yeah. I
1: mean, I think anyone that, I mean, you know, I, I worked in the corporate world and certainly I had, I had bosses that were really good, you know, really, really, uh, really smart, really good at what they did and all that. But you no, know, you know, they were really not that great. Not a lot of other things, you know what I mean? They were good at that particular um, thing, function that they were performing. Um, and I think the problem is we, we tend to, a lot of people tend to uh, assume because an individual is good at one particular thing that they should be listened to on other things. Exactly. And that's almost never, you know, the case.
0: Yeah. And I don't want to beat up like on investors too much institutional investors but at the end of the day too like they're playing a game that's completely manipulated by the federal reserve it's all a flow game right and if you just increase the flows from the fed window towards the markets it's just it's not that hard to direct the flows into assets that will that will bring you um profits just from the sheer nature of, of flows coming into these different asset classes
1: well also don't don't forget i mean this is one of the things that really i noticed early on and i became very disillusioned by it and you know at one point of course i did feel like oh i wanted to be a hedge fund. you know what i mean i wanted to be a hedge fund guy yeah that was that was at some crazy point in my life like something i thought i might want to do but pretty quickly particularly after the financial crisis what became clear is because you know th- this and this model has been broken a little bit but you know the two and twenty model right yeah, you know, yeah. you know, okay management. so 2%, you percent you take a 2% fee off the assets under management and then you take 20% of the profits at, above a, a benchmark well what became very clear to a lot of people who just weren't particularly talented <laughs> is that you just grow the you just grow the pot and you don't care about performance because no. i mean right because if you're because if you're now now a, a fund manager that's managing 10 million or even 50 million okay i can kind of respect that person they, they're going to have to live off their, uh, you know, their performance to some degree. But someone that's, you know, a hedge fund that's managing $2 billion um, with a f- couple of guys that are getting all of the fee, what, you know, they're just they're just harvesting fees. They don't need to perform. As long as some stupid pension keeps giving them money, you know, all they need to do is keep the doors open. Exactly. Stay alive, right? So it's not, it wasn't this, I used to, you know, it used to be an industry, let's say in the 80s, right? Or maybe even 90s that was, you know, eat what you kill, right? Smart, motivated, um, alpha driven uh, strategies. But then it just became this like, we're just gonna harvest fees, you know, and get as many assets as we can. And pensions are just, right? They're putting money into alternative investments. And so it became easy and stupid and completely, uh, has to be completely unsatisfying, you know? And, and that goes to the point that you just made, which is that, you know, uh, I saw this quote today and it is true. It said, it was like, sure, money doesn't buy you happiness, but neither does poverty. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, so which is it, which is accurate. Okay. Um, but, but that's like everything in life, right? It's it, there's, there's this, I mean, and the Buddhists have a good um, I think philosophy on this sort of thing, the middle path, right? Um, it's, it's, it's these extremes that get you into trouble. You know, and that's not, and I'm not, you know, if you make a ton of money in Bitcoin, you know, cool, great, good for you. But, but, but also, you know, that doesn't mean that person's content. That person may be content, but doesn't mean they're content, you know? And so uh, as a human, that's a priority for me, you know? You know, what, what, you know, what, how, how, how can I be a fulfilled, content person? Not happiness, right? There's no finding happiness. Right, that's that's
0: just a mirage. I agree. You're in control of your own happiness, freaks. These outside goods right. cannot bring it for you. But that, then, I mean, just I, it, the definancialization that Bitcoin could sweep over the markets is pretty interesting topic to think about too. As as we, the whole conversation we just had there of of funds harvesting fees and just benefiting from flows of Fed activity, increasing their assets and their ability to. to it's funny because it's a feedback loop too. Like if you have so many assets under management, people just look at the AUM and say, oh, this must be a reputable fund," It just flows into it even more. Um, but what is that all for, right? It's a bunch of rich people trying to store their wealth over time and they're forced mm-hmm. to do so through these avenues. And if Bitcoin is if bitcoin continues to be successful and takes over a market share that that many believe it could in the tens of trillions of dollars you render that yield seeking obsolete to a certain degree so people are forced to go seek out more worthwhile fulfilling ventures in their life
1: right and you know that brings up an interesting uh conversation as far as you know the whole gold let's flip gold and all that stuff but i i think and i get it i get why you know, a lot of people in, in Bitcoin shoot for gold or, or mention it uh, because, in a lot of ways, it is seen as a, a sort of comparable asset. Gold was historically a monetary asset. I don't, I, don't, I don't, doesn't seem to be at all at this point, right? But it is still a store of value um, or perceived one. Um, but I think that's actually looking at things way too narrowly. And I think even wrong because if you, if you take gold, the, the total amount of gold um, and the valuation of it and compare it to the total amount of bonds, right. Let's just say sovereign bonds. It's not even close. Right. And, and gold at least is something, you know, it, I mean, my, you know, my wife's going to like a pair of gold earrings, you know, she's not going to want a piece of treasury paper. <laughs> and, right. and that's where, and so to your point about definancialization, I mean, to, to think that, you know, that's the real end game, isn't it? I mean that the, where where do where do countries in the, look in the paradigm we're in, countries mostly store their reserves in treasuries, not in gold. It's tre- it's U.S. treasuries, which is the most ridiculous concept you could right possibly imagine if you think it through and if you have any sort of historical um, point of view. So let let's let's put it this way, right? So Bitcoin is like oh, okay, well let's compare to gold, or we're going to flip in gold on. Okay, you know what? In fifty years. Okay, gold is going to have value in, let's say, Bitcoin. Right? There's going to be a market, and 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 there will be a price, let's say, in Sats for gold. Will there be a price for Treasuries? W- will they even exist? You, you, you see? see, this is my point. I mean, it's so much bigger than that.
0: Well, yeah. But- I mean, if you t- get down to the mechanics of the Treasury, right? Like that is the vehicle through which new dollars are printed. If Bitcoin per. Replaces the dollar right
1: well that 's that 's that's that's my point the, the, my point is that the bedrock of the current financial system isn 't gold isn 't gold at all I mean gold bugs will tell you it is right because central banks have it, and you know they believe that there 's going to be this sort of second coming um, of the gold standard, but it 's not the bedrock of this financial system okay the the, the, the fiat u s dollar and treasuries is actually the bedrock, or you could say euro dollars, whatever. But the point is, it's pure mirage. Right? It's, it's, it's fantasy stuff.
0: It's complete it's stu- insanity.
1: It's complete. Exactly. I, I often say that the, the, the biggest financial scam in the history of mankind is the US Treasury market. And, and again, I don't want people hearing this to say that I'm making a short term call. On, I don't have a bet on treasuries other than I'm convinced they probably won't even exist in this form in 10 years. But even if I'm wrong about that in 50, do you really, do you really think? I don't think so. You know, if, if I put a cold card wallet with some Bitcoin, a gold bar and a treasury certificate in a time capsule and dug it up in 50 years, two of those things are probably going to have value. And one of them won't. Right. Right. And that thing is treasuries. So, you know, I think, I think I think some Bitcoiners are just thinking too small in that sense. It's well, a much bigger market to capture.
0: I completely agree. And just, I wanted to bring this up earlier in the conversation. I forget exactly the context, but now the opportunity presents itself. I'm thinking of Bitcoin. Yes, comparing it to gold, gold's a comparable asset for Bitcoin, the token. It's Bitcoin's an improvement on gold scarcity, divisibility, portability validity ability to validate that it's real that's the asset side of things um but then you have the whole networking side of things too where bitcoin the the p2p network the messaging protocol disrupts settlement money transfer and that that whole other part of the financial system the plumbing of the financial system that bitcoin is competing with and, and so in in terms of monetary properties compared to gold, it has all of that, but then you put it on crack with the network side of things and it has better properties than uh, Swift, TransferWise, ACH, whatever it may be. Uh, and that's another thing where, where apathy may not even be a choice because it's such a better product that people are gonna want to build on it.
1: Okay, and also, so this this actually brings me up to a topic that I think it might be worthwhile discussing um, that I think confuses people sometimes. So. Uh, when when people ask me, they're like, well, you know, you think there's a new paradigm. What do you you know, how do you see that new paradigm unfolding or what do you see it looking like? And my answer is this. And of course, this is me saying the positive um, scenario. I could come up with a million negative scenarios that everyone knows about. Right. But if I'm talking positive, OK, 2030, right? if we can get there fast enough, what is what is a What is a better vision of the world look like? And And, and given given the technology we have, right, motivation, need, it would, it would look like this, localism plus global, voluntary, decentralized networks. And um, what I think, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to tie, tie in two communities of people, okay? There, there are people who are really big on localism right now. It's a, it's a rising thing, particularly amongst younger people, wanting a homestead, right? Wanting to, to build more things, grow more of your own food, raise your own food, whatever, be more connected with your neighbors. Great. I love it. I'm a huge proponent of it. Anyone listening to this that feels that way, do it, right? Go for it. It's very important. And I think it's a huge part of the future of the world. But let's say that the state itself sort of disintegrates, right? It becomes less, uh, It becomes more impotent um, and less important. And localism becomes more important, which is what I think is we're we're transitioning into right now in the United States at least. Um, Bitcoin is hugely important in a world like that. Because if you're let's say in Portland, Maine, or outskirts of that, and you've got a nice little community going, you, you, you got lobster, you got blueberries, right? You got a lot, of, a lot of stuff you grow, really good seafood, really good food. And then, you know, there's a little community, you know, in Indiana somewhere, you know, those two communities will function locally, hopefully in a, in a, in a, in a pretty good way, but it's not going to be this total closed loop. Right. I mean, someone in Indiana, no matter how uh, productive and creative they are, can't get Maine lobsters, right. Uh, yeah. But they might want them. And so, and so if the U S dollar is just not a functioning uh, currency, let's just say, because the state itself is not functioning, um, a plausible scenario, by the way, um, how do you trade between those two little communities? You, you want a politically neutral digital currency. That's cool.
2: Okay.
1: 24-7, exactly. 365. So it's sort of ironic, right? It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't, I think, necessarily catch on to people right away because it's sort of contradictory, but a localized world, Bitcoin's more important than ever, actually. Right? right to to tie in those nodes
0: so you have that universal monetary good that any locality would accept exactly right. and
1: exactly and no one's and no one's in charge of it well, you, and you need that because you, you're not going to have real real exchange of goods with the Caesar currency, you know well, I mean? It's all so manipulated.
0: Well, there's layers to this too. Bitcoin enables the ability for people to experiment with those types of trade deals, right? And, and to build those local communities that interact with others, they could right. do it. Yeah, right and, I, and I
1: think, and I actually do think that, you know, you could have a situation where, see, I'm not of the belief, if, if Bitcoin actually succeeds to the point that, to the level that we think it could, as far as a global dominant asset, for value transfer settlement, um, it's, it's entirely possible, and we need to admit this, that like at the local community level, not every community is gonna be like, oh, we're on the lightning network with sats. I mean, you can't assume that, okay? Because humans aren't like that. Uh, humans will, you know, in, in the face of that, they'll say, well, you know what? We wanna cre- create our own little thing here for, for maybe the main currency, okay? That doesn't mean make Bitcoin any less useful. It just means that within the main little community, they want to control certain things.
0: Well, I mean, Hal Finney even had that vision of of Bitcoin enabling a free banking system like the one that existed in Canada. I don't know if Hal referenced the Canadian free banking system specifically, but that's an example I'd like to bring up a lot because I think it's a very unique banking setup in history in which private banks across Canadian private uh, provinces, excuse me, had gold as reserved and then issued their own bank currencies based off those reserves with different interest rates. And they were redeemable between each other to some extent, I believe, where some banks would redeem other banks notes and stuff like that. So that can be built on Bitcoin too. You can have these Bitcoin local reserve banks that issue their different types of currencies on layers on top of Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, you, you could, I'm just, I'm sort of making the point that I just as knowing humans, there's going to be there are going to be certain humans that are going to say just reject bitcoin for whatever reason right they're uh, just going to say you know what i mean like i we don't want to participate it's too concentrated okay let, whatever that people are going to make that argument you good know? luck right they're, but they're to, but they're going to do it so what i'm saying is you could still have this local currency that folk functions locally only yes. but for but for right and that's fine right we should we should not be against that okay it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't threaten bitcoin at all in fact it empowers it because because bitcoin is is in my opinion um, it's it's built for bigger things, right? It's built to be the super. It, it it's built to potentially be the superstructure of of a politically neutral settlement layer, and that's like the most important thing you could have in a in a world that is more decentralized and more localized, but also interconnected. Okay, yeah. so that's that's my at least that's how I see it kind of
0: unfolding. No, I think I agree with that that view of the future and. I think this is another topic that maybe we should be harping on more as Bitcoiners, and a message we should try be trying to permeate to people who may be experiencing a lot of frustration right now with, with the politics of the world, particularly here in the United States, is if you truly do want to bring about change and a very particular change in, in reducing inequality or making just things fairer within the system. like. The opportunity to do that in a short amount of time exists with the open source technologies like Bitcoin. Like You're going to be able to build these changes and make these changes quicker with these open source protocol. Moving through the monolithic political system with how bloated it's become just doesn't seem like an option that, that makes sense if you're trying to, to make change in a reasonable amount of time. So if you actually do want to make change and want to do it, within a decade, like the, the only opportunity to do so is on systems like Bitcoin.
1: Right. So, yeah, this is a really important conversation I'm glad we're having now because um, I want people to, a lot of people will say now, oh, well, I, I, you know, I don't, a lot of Bitcoiners even, right, will say, i not ah, politics. I'm sick of politics. I want nothing to do with politics without realizing how political Bitcoin is. And I don't say that as a shot. I say that as a huge compliment because our problem is we have this mental model of what politics is that's been fed to us. It's not our own, right? It's propaganda. And that mental model tells us that politics is voting. Okay. Politics is choosing Democrat or Republican and voting for someone to solve problems. Okay. This is pushed, right? There's a reason why the, the, you know, establishment is always like vote, you better vote. Like, you know, there's nothing more important than voting, blah, 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 because they know it's, Pointless. Okay, it's intentionally pointless, and so Bitcoin is actually politics. And let's dig into this even deeper. So for me, what is politics, um, or productive politics? It is identifying issues, specific issues that are fundamentally important um, to, let's say, you, your community, right, your country, and taking a stance on them and trying to move the polis in that direction. Um, A great example would be civil liberties, which has been a core focus of mine for a decade since I became quote unquote political as a human. I don't care who promotes civil liberties. I don't care who it is. I don't care what else you believe on anything, okay? If you are my ally on the first amendment, or the Fourth Amendment, or the Second Amendment, whatever, right? Those are the Bill of Rights that we have. You are my ally on the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, or the Fourth Amendment, period, <laughs> okay? I don't care about anything else. I care what color your hair is. I don't care what you do in your personal life. I don't give a, I don't give a shit, okay? That's real politics. That's real politics. And that's also the reason why they want to hurt us into Democrat-Republican, because it's the most nonsensical form of politics. It's it's telling you to choose a team that has a preordained position on a bunch of things, and then you have to sort of defend that team whether or not you agree with everything. Bitcoin is real politics in the sense that there is a specific um, tangible objective here, and there's a specific tangible uh, problem that it's trying to solve. And the people that are involved in it are united on that issue, on Bitcoin, right? Now, within Bitcoin, there are people who, you know, a loud uh, contingent of people who just wanna eat, you know, like raw, like beef liver all day and like see, see like a piece of broccoli and think it's like, you know, cancer or something. Uh, and then there's people like me who can, you know, eat, eat a piece of uh, broccoli, you know, have a piece of broccoli on my plate that I just grew and not consider it an enemy. <laughs> you know, but, 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 but I don't care, right, what you want to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, it doesn't matter. And, and a lot of people from the outside will look at, let's say, the Bitcoin carnivore community and say, like, oh, these people are just like crazy. No, right. That's old world thinking. Okay. There's people in Bitcoin that like eating raw beef liver. There's people like in Bitcoin who like a piece of homegrown broccoli like me. And I don't feel any differently to those people when it comes to Bitcoin. Because that's the issue.
0: Right? Nor do you exactly. feel different about Bitcoin because these people are using
1: it. <laughs> exactly. And so anyone that's sort of like offended by uh, a few Bitcoiners or loud Bitcoiners, I mean, you're just a fool, basically. That's not real politics. That's tribal politics, right? That, that assumes homogeneity of humans within a specific mission, right? We have a specific mission. It doesn't matter what our other politics are. Like your politics, me and you probably agree on a lot of things other than Bitcoin, right? That's probably why we're friendly and like having this conversation, you know? And I'm not on other podcasts, let's say. But, but that's just us, okay? I don't, I don't demand anything from any other person in Bitcoin other than the fact that they support Bitcoin. Okay, and that's true politics. And so, but that can apply to, and that's how I apply politics beyond Bitcoin, okay? Like I said, with civil liberties. And the worst thing you can do, is, is try to find a political team. And so what, what, to the extent that we have real politics in this country going forward, let's say conscious politics, real politics, you have to completely get rid of parties um, in your mind, at least, because they're a complete way of um, hurting you into stupidity. You need to say to yourself, and I think we discussed this last time, but you need to say, okay, what are the issues I care about? Okay, great. Let's say it's um, let's say it's surveillance. Okay. That's your thing. Your big, th- one of your big things is surveillance. Don't worry about what anyone else who's on your, uh, on your, um, on your side with surveillance thinks about anything else. doesn't matter. It can actually be horrible people, but the point of politics, it, it, truly the point of politics is not to empower some politician, which is what it is in this country. The real point of politics should be getting, getting stuff done, right. Or, or, or fixing a problem. So, You're describing
0: being pragmatic, Michael.
1: (laughs) It's crazy, right? It's like a it's a crazy concept.
0: So, well, that's really driving how insane the particular climate is. Like labeling MAGA supporters domestic terrorists. Like, it's are you kidding me? Like, how is that? It's the furthest thing from pragmatism. It's like we're going to unite everybody, and people are talking about making lists. I saw somebody tweeting about re-education camps for MAGA children. It's like, what the fuck? Well, I, I think to
1: some, look, I think what's going on here, and I like saying everything's a PSYOP, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because and that doesn't mean it's just the CIA necessarily doing it, right? Psychological operations are, can be done by all sorts of people, right? It can be done by individuals. It can be done by corporations, right? It can be done by the intelligence agencies. But my point is so much out there, you can't trust right like how much can we trust about the capital thing i mean it looked like theater to me i mean it right. looked like right? i mean you, you had the one guy there in the in the in, up there happened to be the one with the viking hat you know what i mean like he's the one that ended up there it was almost like it was perfect it's better than a netflix show um and so that's not i'm not saying it was all staged at all right i'm i'm 99% of the people there probably
0: patsies. misguided misguided patsies they didn't know right. what was going exactly. on exactly yeah.
1: but but One percent of them, right? Probably trying to get, yeah, trying
0: to get some sort of image, something going. The media media machine being so coordinated, and the the politicians being so coordinated in their language immediately during the day is like, come on, you're you're not even trying anymore,
1: right? And so and so, but what? what, So what's the lesson there? The lesson is don't participate in that sort of shit. Don't participate in those spectacles because that's conventional. That's conventional battle. That's conventional space. You're going to lose. Um, they know how to fight you on that. They're professionals on that. Don't
0: do it. Michael, CNN's best day ever. <laughs> right. There you go. And, and, and the thing
1: is, you know, that date, January 6th, was on the calendar for a long time. That's another thing you should always be distrustful for and avoid. Um, any, any sort of mass event that's for, you know, like foreshadowed or, or planned in advance and, and well-publicized every single person with a bad agenda, right? Is going to try to manipulate that event. And so the nothing good is gonna come out of an event like that. The, the events that I find more interesting are the spontaneous ones. So, I mean, if there's a spontaneous riot even or a spontaneous um, storming of something that just sort of happens, I'd be more inclined to believe that's, legi- you, know, you know, actually spontaneous, you know, whereas it would be trivial. For people with resources, money, um, uh, let's say skills in that sort of thing, theatrics, to to make that Capitol Hill day go in the direction that they wanted it to. And and also the other thing I like to say is, if you want to know, if you want to if you want to know what the National Security State is trying to do to you next, look what they do right after a spectacle. And and the stuff as you mentioned that's been rolled out since then is terrifying. People. People comparing it to 9-11. It's like, what? Well, I mean, even the insurrection thing. So I tweeted this the other day. I said, I said, if Trump incited violence, okay, that's a that's a, that's a that's a First Amendment thing. Okay. That's a there 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 is per, there are parameters where you can You can't
0: scream fire in a theater.
1: Right. But there but it's very narrow. Yeah. Right. It has to be you have to be inciting you have to be inciting something um, like imminent, I think, and uh, that's likely to happen. Okay, and from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like in a court of law he would be accused of inciting violence. But they're trying to pass laws like domestic terror bills now based on this assumption that he incited violence. So, you you know, this is very dangerous. It's clear what
0: they're doing. They're trying to. It's it's so clear that was not like very obvious terrorism in any way, shape or form. Like it was completely asinine. Like I can can concede that, but like it's screaming false flag to me to get these narratives out there that's all i'm gonna say
1: right or even or even if it wasn't they they were just waiting for something right for some excuse to to do it so so this is important though and part of kind of my new focus um which is less to convince than to strategize like I, i i'd like to think of myself as a strategist for the people or a strategist for the plebs in that um look there's no denying where we're at right now Okay. So to get all heated about, oh my goodness, they're calling us domestic terrorists, or oh my goodness, like they're saying he incited violence when he didn't, or oh my goodness, they're calling like some weird spectacle that really was never a real threat an insurrection. Every single media organization is doing this, right? Rather than getting heated about that, kind of laugh at it for a second and then say, okay, so what do we do about this? Okay. What's the smart response to this? You know, if if we see it as ridiculous, should we be arguing with people that are falling for this? No, we shouldn't. Because people that are falling for this are either stupid or so attached to a particular crazy narrative that you're not going to get them. You're not going to reach them. Focus on those who are reachable.
0: Well, right. what's even more interesting about this particular situation now, which the, the pl- parlor deplatforming and... Trump getting banned, I mean, I wrote about it earlier this week, It's just naturally going to push the, these people who are being disenfranchised by the big tech companies into Bitcoin's hands. Because especially if the payment processors step in, they're, they're going to have to use Bitcoin to accept money. And that narrative is going to be thrown at Bitcoin like, oh, it's the domestic terrorist currency of choice. But this is actually a good, a good thing, I think, because you have – He's like I don't th- I obviously don't think all Trump supporters are domestic terrorists. There's <laughs> Terrible people all across the aisle, but I do think them coming to Bitcoin and like with a freedom tilt is going to be beneficial because I mean Bitcoiners are used to handling FUD pretty pretty handedly and we're pretty well equipped for. I mean, people already front running the the domestic terrorism cur- currency of choice, and I think that. Once these people see like, oh, Bitcoin is really robust, it's got a really strong community, that'll, that'll be even better for the network as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, this goes back to why I wrote yesterday, because I do think there's this opportunity. And that's not to say, I don't know, let's say there's 60 million people who are, who are finally ready and motivated to do something, okay? I mean, what percentage of them are going to come to Bitcoin or privacy or open source? I mean, probably a small percent, but, you know, 5%. 10% of 60 million. It's a lot of people. That's, that's, that, that's enough to change the game, actually. Um, so so it's, it's huge that, look, it's, it's really important that we, we're, we're there for, 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 these pe- you know, for these people with a good message. And I'm even seeing, I'm, I don't know if you've noticed this, I follow a lot of people from all sorts of you know, political leanings and stuff that I, not because I agree with them, but because I want to kind of hear what they're saying. And, and I'm seeing there's a decent amount of like the smarter MAGA people, who are saying stuff like we need to decentralize, we need to look, you know, we need to build networks, we need to, you know, uh, build wealth, build community, right? Be smart, and that's great, and it's 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 great to do. And then of course there's going to be the people who are like 2024, 2022, we're going <laughs> to primary these guys, we're going to pro- we're going to primary them, you know. But when of course, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like look, some people are just children, okay? Like they believe in Santa Claus still, and think that's going to make a difference. But if you don't deal with the structure itself, you know, you're not going to change anything. And so I don't even argue with these people anymore. And, even, even, and, and, and this is probably not a great thing that I do, but even with people like when it comes to Bitcoin or other things that kind of come in my mentions, I mean, if, if there's a genuine question and, and they're being useful, sure, I, or, or helpful, productive, of course I'm going to try to reach out and help. But anyone that's like trying to argue with me, about whether it's whether it's bitcoin or unless, unless i know them like i had this big thing with brent johnson yesterday santiago capital Did you see that
0: yeah i saw that it's yeah, a, like a freedom lover like shutting yeah. bitcoin he's like that's yeah, weird everybody. right i
1: mean but i, I look i i've i you know it, it's human nature too he's got he's got a he's got a bet that he believes in and he's got financial stuff at stake and when you do you know sometimes you're you you, you know you you're cheering on the wrong thing and that mm-hmm. and that's you know uh, that's why I suggest people buy some Bitcoin, even if they don't, um, even if they're wary about the state or the price, hey, buy a little bit. You know why? Because then at least you have an incentive, a financial incentive to push liberty. You know, it's, it can be a problem if you're, and I do believe that Brent, and, and I, not, not to make him point him out as an individual, because I've known him for a while and I really do like him. Um, you know, I believe he fundamentally understands all of what we're talking about. And is a fundamental lover of, of liberty. But any human being that has a bet on, let's say, a strong dollar or you know that sort of a paradigm continuing, it's gonna, it's gonna affect how you engage with people and the world. And so I'm happy to say that, you know what, even if like those Bitcoiners who say, you know, I'm holding it to zero, right? I'm holding, even if it goes to you, I'm holding it. I'm going to, or, or rather than, rather than give my private keys to the state, I'll burn my, right. I will (laughs) smash my wall, my, my hardware wallet. Right. And by the way, I believe a lot of people would do that. You know, that, that's a, that's a, that's just a better mindset to be in. You, you, you have right skin in the game to a favorable outcome. And, and, and I like, and I like that. I mean, as, you know, as tough as the bear markets can be, You know, and, and I, this last bear market, I mean, I, I totally sacrificed stuff to hold on to my coins. You know, I took, I told my wife, like, we're taking, you know, we're taking spending down, you know what I mean? This is the bear, right? (laughs) And, and uh, it's not, it's hard though. The bear markets can be hard, you know, particularly if you're, if you're in to a, to a big degree. Um, But, uh, but at the end of the day, it feels good, doesn't it? You know, to, to, to have your, to sort of bet on something that, you really believe in it's yeah. that, a good thing right
0: feels real good especially when you put all of your financial social relationship capital into this over over the course of most of a decade now at this point now it is rewarding but it's again it, the, the amount of people that have stuck with bitcoin through thick and thin through the bear markets and have only had those experiences increase their conviction is to such a level where it's hard to deny. Like again, you were mentioning earlier, like you always have to question yourself, your priors and the way you're viewing these things, but, and and you don't want to allocate it's don't trust verify. So you don't want to allocate decision-making to peers, but there are so many peers that have been around for enough time, all thinking adversarially and having very hard and, Thoughtful conversations about this, where it's, it's hard to find holes in the argument that this is going to happen and Bitcoin's going to be successful in the long term.
1: Yeah. And I, actually, I think this is sort of a funny thing and less serious. But um, one of the interesting things about this cycle, which I like, is how, you know, like Hodel, American Hodel, one of these guys, is so funny, cracks me up. But, but you know, he, his whole thing, like, he, he had a tweet where he was just like, yeah, it's a religion, so what? Like, you right. know, what, what, no, what now? You know. And I love that because of course, and I had this tweet today where I said, you know, um, Bitcoin has 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 died and been reborn more than any other religion, <laughs> and, you know? And, and it's like, you gotta own that meme, right? Because, because not because it's really your religion, okay? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I have all sorts of thoughts about existential stuff and you know, what happens after we die and like a relationship with the divine that's very personal it's not, it has nothing to do with bitcoin right but no. at the same time I, you know someone you know you can't, you you, you got to disarm these people right because they're yeah. they're coming at us with fud from 2016 right or something like oh bitcoin is a religion okay and, and and they think it's like this new thing they discover. Right? <laughs> it's, been, it's, been, it's been it's been like this thing has been beaten to death for 5 years but so now the response is yeah okay it's a religion embrace yeah, it my religion whatever
0: where are my well, tax exemptions?
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love it. It's like, but that just goes to the cleverness of bitcoiners too. In that, in that, you know, the, you know, these some some of these like narrative pushers who don't like it or whatever. Um, and I get where they're coming from with that, with that. But at the same time, you know, listen, I, I said, and I've I've said this for probably six years now to people. I said, the Bitcoin chart looks a lot like what if you charted Christianity from from the, from the birth of Jesus would look like right. Okay. Volatile, right. Straight up. Right. But over time it keeps going up and, and, and it is the, it, what else can you kind of sort of compare it to? Right. I mean, it, it is not, not because it's about a belief system about, you know, ethics. Well, it is to some degree, <laughs> maybe it is a religion. No, but, but you know what I'm saying? So, so the, but the point is um, if you're going to take on uh, a paradigm as dominant uh, and as entrenched as the current one we're in, you absolutely need uh, some degree of religious sort of fanaticism. You absolutely do, or you will lose. You right. Will and, lose.
0: and not only that fanaticism, but also the conviction and um, continuity of message across to make it easier for everybody on board. That's why, again, this bear market too, a lot of good memes condensing <laughs> very small messages into a shorter amount of worlds. Bitcoin fixes this stack sats. Um, it's like, 6.15 from American Hodl, just <laughs> having, having a goal to strive for while stacking. He's good
1: or, at those. He's, he's good right? at the memes. Yeah. So, 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 so are you, of course. But like, um, this, this brings, right, this brings the other point, which is compare, compare what this ragtag group, but always growing uh, subculture of Bitcoiners to the traditional world, right? Which has the traditional, let's say, fiat financial world,
0: which is the most uh, stuffy. Uh,
1: yeah, and it has, no, it has no ideology at all, right? It has and, no, and
0: they, no identity and it no, probably has a culture, but its culture is not something I would strive for.
1: stuff, right? Or, 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 or feed farming, right? I mean, that, that's the point. So you're talking about a culture, uh, a dominant financial culture that really prides itself on standing up for nothing other than the pursuit of, of returns. Whereas Bitcoin absolutely has a gigantic ethical component to it. Not for everybody, of course, but for most serious Bitcoiners, there's a very, very ethical uh, component to it. And I think outsiders misinterpret it and and think, oh, they act like this because there's a financial reward. Guess what? The fact that Satoshi was brilliant enough to to embed a a potential financial reward for supporting an ethical protocol is possibly his most genius, right? Part of the invention. I mean, I, it, it's like-
0: It should you be- can, Yeah. It, I mean, it should be recognized as like one of the seven wonders of the world. Yeah, I agree, right? I agree. It's incredible. So, you know, and so, and so that's a good thing. It's a positive thing.
1: And, uh, and, and, the, and the fact that, but the fact is this, like the, the entire HODL mentality and why I think a lot of people in traditional finance laugh at it and think it's ridiculous is because there is no, there's nothing that they believe in, okay, when it comes to investments. Nothing. It's the most bland, I, right? What's they your just, returns? They you just know? believe in making money. That's it. That's it. And there's nothing wrong with making money. But as you say, that's all they believe in. Okay. And so when there's actually a, a bunch of people who have a sort of ethical code and also are happy about making money to those people, we look like either crazy or liars. Okay, I so agree. you get both, right? Because some people will, call, will say to Bitcoiners, they're like, Oh, they're just pumping their own book, right? That's all it is, okay? Or they're pretending to have you can't have ethics and make money. Some people will say, Right? That's ridiculous. Why not? I mean, right. I, it's a crazy it's, it, to to think of a world where you have to have no ethics. To succeed is a dark dark place yeah and
0: it's a very myopic understanding of the hodl meme too well yes it certainly means hodl until more people acquire bitcoin which due to the scarce nature of the asset will drive the price up that's one way to view the hodl meme but the other way to view the hodl meme is just a, condens- a condensed one word way to drive home low time preference to people right which which helps you accumulate capital and something ethical to strive for, I would argue is, is, having individuals, families, corporations, uh, bolster their, their balance sheets by accumulating and holding some capital, whether it be personal or, or corporate.
1: Right. The idea of let's say sacrifice when it comes to managing a portfolio, traditional portfolio is preposterous, right? I mean, like the, you tell a hedge fund manager, like, oh, well, we need, might need to sacrifice a little here and they'll kick you, you'll fire you, right? Um, the the concept of some sort of sacrifice um, or potential future sacrifice that you might have to endure that is part of Bitcoin is is, is valuable. And it's, it's something that I that I discussed in my post yesterday, which is that by acquiescing to this current world that we're in, we sacrificed a lot, but we didn't even think about it. You know, I mean, the, the mom and pop store that used to be there, the grocer gone, possibly forever yet. And now what do you have? <laughs> you have, you have Apple, you have Google, you have Amazon, you have Facebook, you have Twitter, and now they're coming for that.
0: Yeah. Now they're right? beginning to tell so, you that, Oh yeah, you can not actually use okay. these the way you thought you could okay. before.
1: And so, so thinking about sacrifice, um, it tends to have a negative connotation to it, but I think that's wrong. I mean, I think, I think sacrifice is inherent to any sort of a moral lifestyle. You're going to have to.
0: to Well, yeah. If you want to build good character, you're going to sacrifice. I mean, typical sports analogy, I think you got to practice, you got to sacrifice time and effort away from your team you got to practice by yourself sacrifice to to get better right. and you know, and so now apply to different aspects of life
1: yeah and so now i think you know my big message at least for me is i'm going to have to sacrifice some of my time that i wasn't planning on spending you know looking into web 3.0 and 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 familiarizing myself with a lot of tools that i'm uncomfortable with you know, that's a sacrifice I have to make, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's worth, it'll be worth it
0: in a long run too. And then again, I really want to drive home this, this point about the ability to actually drive change in a timely manner with these systems. Like that's one thing you can do it in a relatively quick way. And if you're sitting there after the lockdowns, you no, know, not everybody knows how to code, but there'll be like, we need to Bitcoinize the economy to a certain extent, the, the, the job opportunities that should be presenting themselves. If we've actually put in the effort to, make change via these avenues compared to the traditional political avenues instead of waiting out for a tri- multi-trillion dollar build back better stimulus bill. You can just build a better system and attempt to monetize that by yourself and just completely skirt around the state.
1: Yeah. Which is, which is what, what's really interesting about the period of time we're in right now. And it goes back to the point we were making earlier and you made specifically that um, you know, Contentment is a state of mind, or whatever. Yeah, every everything about the world we're in right now is mental. I mean, not every that that's not true. But as far as seeing the future, okay, um, when you when you when you develop a mental a mental framework of what you think the future is going to look like, um, that is totally mental, okay, and it's of your own creation. I could sit here. We could have been talking for the last hour and a half about how the next world is going to be this or- Orwellian dystopia, right? This like Elysium and like Hunger Games. And it's just, that's what it's going to look like. And you better get what you can. You bet, right. We could have done that for an hour and a half. And I could have been really compelling about it. And so could you. And we could be talking about that all day. Okay. Or we could say, as you just mentioned, by the way, you lazy ass human, we are in one of the most exciting, exhilarating um, periods of human history where the entire world is our oyster, where there's opportunity to change the paradigm in a way that's never been granted to uh, another generation of humans ever, potentially to this degree. And you're complaining, you know? Like, what are you doing? You know, this is ridiculous. You you are, this is a gift to be born at this period of time. And I truly believe that if me and you are having this conversation in 10 years, and the world isn't good and better, and it's worse. It's our it's our freaking fault, okay? It's not the elite's fault. It's, it's our fault because we absolutely have the potential.
0: That's yeah. Right there. You got to get off your ass. Got no, to get off your ass. Right? Yeah. And this is a podcast where we like to blame the elites for a lot of things. And there probably is some some blame to go around. They're probably culpable in some areas, but at the end of the day, again, you're in control of your own happiness. You're in control of your own destiny. And that's the thing that really pisses me off again about the red versus blue framing of of argument that most people are, are forced into is that you're really not even giving yourself a chance at building. Yeah. That's uh, right. Being complete. And it's like, I mean, the the... Reaction to the virus spreading and the lockdowns is completely ex- like completely describes our society. Like it's like, all right, to to stop the spread of this virus, we're going to lock you down, shut down the economy, do something extremely drastic, uh, make you stay indoors, which is is proven to be like the number one place where this is going to uh, uh spread. Like, don't go outside, social distance, don't get fresh air. It turned out to be pretty terrible advice and like simple very straightforward advice that i think pretty much everybody can agree on just was not given out like hey maybe exercise a little bit more take your vitamin d pills eat eat healthy like these people at least and at the end of the day we could blame them but the the, the ability to solve these problems Uh, exist in front of you You just but you have to walk away from them like the the whole kleptocratic elite strata combined with the media they're pumping this into people's brains and repeating it and again it's like the repetition like that's what the capitol building insurrection of Mm -hmm. by domestic terrorists completely just had my uh, this is something weird bells going off just (laughs) due to the repetition of that it's that npc local news uh, shot over again. There's repeating insurrection, domestic terrorist, impeachment, 9-11, like evoking all that stuff. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. So the the way that I would describe um, where we're at as humanity would be sort of like, and I didn't have, I had really nice, great parents, but uh, as as a child, you just had terrible parents, right? Grew up in a terrible household. Okay. So you can imagine what that would be like, you know, abusive, constraining, um, demoralizing, et cetera. A lot of people grow up like that, right? I mean, probably more, m- possibly more, um, possibly the majority. And that goes into another whole can of worms of why we're, where we're at bad, bad, bad families. Right. But let's assume you're, you're, you're that you're that you're a child who grows up. You were unlucky. Okay. You grew up with really, really bad parents and you're stuck with those bad parents, and you're stuck with all the baggage that they, that they leave you and that day to day, every day, every day, every day, every day, but assuming you survive, at some point you leave the house, okay? You grow up. And then from that day forward, it's on you, right? Now you can blame your parents and you can spend the next 15 years saying, oh, I had terrible parents. That's why I'm miserable, blah, blah, blah. Or you can say, damn you know i was brought up in this crazy nasty paradigm and it really punished me psychologically and in other ways but i'm going to now take charge of my life and i'm going to become an expansive good human and be better for it okay that's where we're all at in my opinion right now like human beings we we had we had bad parents right and that, and the, and, the, and our bad parents is the system we've been in you know wasn't our fault um, sure we could have done more, you know, I mean, I'm older than you, I could have done more. when I was younger, I was was completely unaware, right? But a lot of, look, just like a little kid with their parents isn't aware. You're not, when you're six, you don't realize you have bad parents, right? You just think that's, that's the water, right? That's the water. So that's, that's how I want, you know, that's how I think it's best to think about where we're at as a, as a, as a, as humans. We, we, we we've had bad parents. And I think a lot of us now at varying times are realizing, whoa, we had bad parents. We were, let's say, like 10 years ago, we were the six-year-old who just thought that's how it is. And I think now we're the human beings are now increasingly like the 16 or 17-year-old who recognizes, oh, what? wait a minute.
0: Why is it this way? Why? Right. Why? Right. Why?
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Does the water have to be like this? We have really, really bad parents, and they, and they like to kick the shit out of us. <laughs> all day right and they come home drunk and they beat us up or whatever and they, but they, now they've got
0: dementia they can't even remember exactly. hell's
1: going on <laughs> yeah well said well said exactly so so that's where we're at and so as a as a as a race right as a human species are we going to keep complaining about our parents while they abuse us Could keep abusing us or are we going to move out of the house and take charge and become beautiful grownups, right? Conscious adults. That's where we're at. Like 2021, we are, we are like, we are the teenagers with bad parents.
0: Yeah. And we've got, again, for the first time in human history, we've got a, a quasi Manhattan project slash space race going on at the moment. Anybody can join. You don't have to be in Manhattan in a crazy nuclear physicist. You don't have to be working for NASA, the government doesn't have to direct this this great uh, coordination to to build these incredible technologies. It's just happening out in public, and anybody can join. Like again, if you're out there, sort of despotic and and downtrodden, after the year that's been, like Michael said, the opportunity to actually just get out there and build a, a future that you want to see has never been better, and we have a great. Space race going on at the moment, and you can join. Like that is exciting, and I, I think I just worry that, that people get too anchored into the red versus blue. Hopefully, the last six months of the the debauchery of our political system here in the U.S. particularly has woken people up to all right. Like this isn't this isn't attainable for for much longer. Right.
1: So that's a, that's a good, actually, you know, I've been, I've been very optimistic and I am, you know, optimistic over longer periods of time for sure. Um, Cause I feel like the course of history and the tools we have and all that are pointing in a very good direction. However, you just brought up a, you know, an important point point. let's be realistic. Um, the unconscious mass that's still there and very susceptible to manipulation psyops is considerable and much bigger than us. OK. And so if we're in winter, right, quote unquote winter <laughs> um, of this fourth turning, uh, you know, how bad does it have to get? Right. And in other words, like you don't you usually don't get conscious without some pain and struggle, you know, and even p- prior periods, right, it's just like you have to sort of hit this nadir um, before you kind of start bouncing up again. So if that's true with the cycle, which it probably is, it is worthwhile, you know, being realistic about have we hit rock bomb or not? And, and the truth is, I don't know the answer to that, but we probably will know in the next couple of years. Either way though, you should do what we just discussed, which is that you're not gonna regret trying your best. You're not gonna, you're not gonna regret that in 10 years. Not gonna say, oh wow, like, I really shouldn't have tried to make the world a better place. Right? I should have. I should have just like. I should have been. I should have been some frothing weirdo uh, for Democrats and Republicans. That's that would have been the right move, right? No, you're never going to say that. You're never going to say that. so. Just do the right thing.
0: And it feels good too. Feels good. I feel blessed to be able to host this podcast, write the newsletter, work at totally. Great American Mining. It's again. I have a lot of friends. Out there living lives of quiet desperation, doing jobs they don't want to do. And I feel fortunate to be able to do this. And again, there's a great re-architecting that needs to be done. Bitcoin enables us to re-architect a huge part of our lives, which is the money and the plumbing the money goes through.
1: Join us. Well, yeah, just one one last thing is I I I, th- I actually struggled with this most of my life, I would say, most of my, let's say, conscious life. In that, let's say when I was 18 years old, you know, started thinking more about who I am, what my place in the world is, what I, what I, you know, sort of what kind of future I want. And the answer was really lazy and sad, pathetic, in that I did question, I said to myself, okay, I'm privileged, period, right? That's objectively a fact. Good parents, um, well off financially, best education you could buy, right? yet I'm going to Wall Street. Not, I mean, you know, that was when I was 22, okay? So, so let's, let's say when I was 22 years old. Of course I questioned that. I mean, I wrote a lot of things in my own private books about like, I wrote this piece called uh, Ambivalence to Capitalism, um, which is still interesting to this day. But the, point, but the point is I was thinking about these things, but I still went, you know, I still went to Wall Street. But, but even though I, I, I kept saying to myself, like, wow, like I have this privilege that 99, you know, 90% of people don't have. And yet this is what I'm doing with my Okay. I mean it was it was kind of pathetic, but I did it I did it anyway. And I think part of and a part of why, or a big reason why, and I wrote about it in that piece, right, in Bivalist to Capitalism, was at the time I didn't see an out. Okay. In other words, to me it looked like in nineteen in 19, in two thousand, when I started Wall Street, if I looked at the landscape, it looked to me like this was the, this paradigm was never ending. Right? This this is the water. Um, I had tons of questions about it as water, but it was the water. And I decided to swim, you know, and have a good lunch, you know, have good meals <laughs> while I was swimming. And then, but, and, then, and then, you know, eight years later when it, it did come to a point, though, with the financial crisis where, where it was just like, okay, this is the water, but I, this is unacceptable. Right. You know? <laughs> okay, I, can't, I can't participate in this water. But there was no outlet. And then Bitcoin was the outlet. Now there's more outlets, right? There's so many outlets. Like we, this is a very exciting time. I mean, it's, it's, it's a perilous, it's scary, it's exhilarating, it's exciting. Right? To quote Dick, uh, Charles Dickens, it was the best of times, it was the worst. <laughs> time. It really, right. really kind of is.
0: Well, and it's so crazy, again, the timing of Bitcoin specifically being launched in January 2009 and the aftermath of the great financial crisis and then <clears throat> having the having. Within the last year, as we have this crazy election in the US and the and the COVID shutdowns crescendoed with this COVID stimulus bill, which just brought me back to TARP and how angry I was with that as a seventeen year old. And this time around, now that we have social media being more prevalent and more people being able to actually see the crap that goes into these bills. I think that was another sort of orange-pilling moment for people. Like, what the fuck? We're, we've been shut down for a year, and you're giving hundreds of millions of dollars to Pakistan for gender studies? Like, what? Mm.
1: Well, that's a, well, it was such an interesting point that you just brought up, right? Because this is such a gener- generational thing, okay? So I'm Gen X. So cuspy with millennials, but basically, you know, late Gen X. And when I was 17, um, it was 1996. <laughs> Can, can you think about a more different period than when you were 17? Isn't that just fascinating? Like in 1996, we were about to launch, I was starting college and we were about to launch the biggest tech bubble,
2: right? Hmm. I
1: mean, as I, as I tell the story before, I got two raises at my first Wall Street job before I worked a day in <laughs> training. I <laughs> got two raises in training because they were insane. like all trying to outcompete each other. This was 2000, right? And this was as the tech bubble was literally bursting, <laughs> but, but, nobody, but nobody knew it yet you know? And so I got two raises while in training. Um, and then they went business casual, right? This, these are also funny stories about humanity. Like, so my, it, it, Le- Le- Lehman was like business casual, right? Because they had to compete with, you know, the upstart tech companies that were, they were draining talent to. And then the moment it crashed, the tech bubble crashed, they made us wear suits. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, it was like, it was like tech bubbles over. Okay. Uh, by the way, put on a freaking tie. So you remember who has, you, you know, by you by the neck.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and shave but, too. Why don't you shave that beard? Please?
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, but it's really fascinating to me. Like you said, 17 years old upset about tarp i mean that is so foreign to my 17 year old self okay i had nothing that enraged me right i was just like going to college you know you know everything's you know everything's awesome um whereas you were 17 and you experienced that sort of oh this is bullshit at but i happened to be 30 right ish mm-hmm. when 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 it happened to me but but we both had that same response, yeah. you know, just generationally different. So yeah, I mean, look, every, everyone younger than you too is probably <laughs> lived through all sorts of crazy stuff where they were young and they had, you know, they, they, I didn't realize my parents, and by parents, I mean the world was messed up until I was 28 maybe. You realized it when you were 17. Okay. So, you know, you've had a lot more of your life understanding that this is BS than me. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. I went to college with a know your enemy mentality. That's like I can't even
1: imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. That that blows my mind. I kind of, I'm a little bit envious in some ways of that though, in that, uh, you know, I guess all things happen for a reason, you know, and my Wall Street background gave me a lot of, you know, insider knowledge on stuff but at the same time it's like thinking about myself from 18 to 28 that 10-year period is just like what was i <laughs> i was such a it was like a it was like a, i was a, i was a caricature and you know this is kind of kind of pathetic person to be
0: honest yeah. my 20s has been an interesting decade as they're as they're wrapping up here the course of the next half a year yeah, thirties are
1: thirties are thirties are fun. I forties are the best so far. Yeah. I love it. I love. I like getting. I mean, I like getting older. You know, having kids, all that stuff.
0: I, I'm liking my late twenties. I love. There were some hard times. I I worked in finance. I left uh, to learn about tech. Did a boot camp and worked a shitty job for two years and quit, thinking I was going to be able to get another job. Was unemployed for like a year and a half. Stumbled into bar stool, started this podcast, stumbled out of bar stool into the mining company. It's been a interesting ten years writing this newsletter and in the process. It's been weird. Been weird, but it's been Bitcoin dragging me down basically the whole way. Not dragging me down, but just like pulling and
1: screaming. It it, it takes you
0: along. Pulling me in in certain directions. No,
1: it's been worthwhile. Right. I had the opposite. It was like my twenties, I was just fat and happy. You know? I mean I was just like Working in New York, getting paid a lot of money, like having like seafood tower steak dinners every other night with clients. It's ridiculous. I mean, totally vapid life, right? I mean, you know, it, it, it is what it is, right? And you learn. But, uh, but, but look, we were born into different times, you know? I mean, you know, if I was born into, if I was born 10 years later, I'm sure that would never have happened. None of that would have happened. I always joke around that my Wall Street class that I was hired into was the biggest class they ever had. And if, if it was 2008, I, was no, I would not have gotten the job. Yeah. You know, wouldn't have, wouldn't have had that? Wouldn't even have that opportunity. So, uh, and now man, when, when you're born, matters,
0: right? Now it's like looking at our children. I'm looking at my son. He's about to be a year old. I'm like, what the, what the hell is the world going to look like for you, sir? Like, I know. I'm gonna yeah, try my best.
1: Well, and you see these schools. Did you see that? Did you see that uh, tweet from that guy about the Cupertino school where they're teaching like elementary school kids about how they're privileged and to like put themselves into different body. You didn't see that. That's crazy. It's... Of course, it's probably one of the most elite schools, you know, and they're yeah. like, well, you know, you... yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you saw the thing about Dalton school. Did you see that one though? About uh, how they were like demand, they were making demands about what how Dalton are you familiar with Dalton school? Dalton's like
0: the upper West side. Upper east, side. Yeah, east
1: side. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, I knew a bunch of kids that went there growing up. You know, I went to an equivalent high school. It's just crazy to see that though. But, but it's, but uh, let me tell you why it's good because it's good. Cause sure. You know, 50% of the parents there are going to say are going to keep their mouths shut and, and probably be so propagandized that, you know, they think this is the proper education for kids. But, um, plenty of them aren't, you know, plenty of them are going to have resources and just be like, Nope. Okay. Private tutor. You're out. You know, right. And, and, you know, that's, uh, you know, I think that's, that's a good, good direction anyway. I mean, I think, look, we need to figure out education. We've talked about this before. Um, it's clearly, I mean, if we want to talk about I didn't, we didn't even touch on this in this conversation, but talk about an opportunity. I mean, I'm just Max Kaiser had this funny line. He said something. He's like, he's like, I have, I'm, I'm super lazy and have no ambition. What should I do next? You know, I was, <laughs> I was expecting to make a lot of money in Bitcoin. And I'm super lazy and have no ambition, and I and I cracked up because I was like, that's kind of me. You know, like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't. I mean, I have ambition, but not in the traditional sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have any ambition to to uh, start up some big business and be a hot shot. I don't have any ambition to the fact that I have a, a, a public um, public profile at all is weird to me because it's not my personality, but, but, but education, like unschooling, homeschooling, like talk about peer to peer with that and, and the opportunities. I mean, if I was a more ambitious man, which I'm not, <laughs> I would be like all in on that. Cause it's, it's open.
0: That I want is- it. I want to short sell your ambition. You're you're ambitious to 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 reach out to the remnant out there and get them jacked up, which I appreciate.
1: Well, you know what it is? It's like I guess I guess I'm I do have ambition in certain things. Like I I do have ambition for thinking and reading and you know, I'm just that's more how I'm I'm my I'm cut. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm cut from a cloth of a of a more of a of a of a thinking philosophical type than a I'm going to go start a business and make this happen kind of kind of type in that sense. But I, I mean, I have such respect for people that are cut like that. I'm just not.
0: Yeah. I think I'm the same way. I'd rather read and think and write, <laughs> um, which should be well, evident by the aesthetic of, of the TFTC brand.
1: Well, most writers are, are going to be like that. I think, yeah. You know, if you, well, if you, if you write, you think a lot, cause you have to get it out right.
0: Right. And it's, uh, it's, I forgot what I was going to end it on. What were we just um...
1: school education? Oh
0: yes, no, like it's getting insane. I had a friend in Brooklyn before we moved out of there. He had to pull his sons out of grade school because, I mean, very controversial topic right now. But he had like first grade teachers asking his son to put himself on a gender spectrum, like where he feels Whoa. he falls between a, yeah. a, a boy and a girl, and it's like it's getting to the point in some places where the state inserting its views in this case, particularly New York state on children without discretion of parents is, is going too far. And he felt so compelled to literally pull his children out of the school.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, when I look at, when I look at our kids, we have three, particularly the two older ones um, you can, I mean, they're obviously from the same parents, but like their personalities are so different. So beautiful in different ways though, to the, to the point that I mean, it it actually is horrifying the concept of me even putting them and entrusting them to a specific institution at this age. Okay. Like when they're older, like my, I could, I could see my son being, you know, 12 or 13 and being like, look, you know, Dad, I need more than this. You know, I need something more formal. I need, you know and 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 that's what he needs, right? but but at least he'll have an assessment, his own assessment of this is the direction I want to go, and this is what I'm interested in. I need some more formal education in this in this area, right? Whereas my daughter is going to be t- is almost guaranteed to go in a different direction. you know I mean, you know she's just a totally different personality and And I think it's like again, to talk about old paradigms we did the best we could, you know, in the, in the old world. We didn't have tech, we didn't have the ability to share knowledge like we do now. Um, and so you did the best you could. And so I'm fine with that, right? Like the, the, the education system as it, as it developed, it wasn't, I mean, you could say it was partly nefarious. I mean, there's a debate on that. But either way, it is what it is, it, it's what it was. But clearly, if human beings are gonna reach their best potential, um, you need to treat each human being as an individual, because they are an individual soul an individual, you know, person with individual drive. And, um, that's not to say everything I learned in school was terrible. A lot of, a lot of, it sparked a lot of things for me, but there were certainly classes that I was forced to take that I absolutely should have been able to opt
0: out. Yeah. Think about, Think about all those men and women leaving lives of quiet desperation right now who otherwise may not be if they were right. forced into the very structured view of schooling and everybody learns something a very specific way at a very specific pace together. I can't think of the, the thing. It's of all crazy. The, the compounding negative externalities exactly. of, of the decisions we make right. and how right. that could be flipped on its head. Like,
1: right. Fig- I mean, fix, fix the education, fix the world works too. You know, right. because
0: you screw up kids so badly with this stuff. Yeah. You teach kids you know. to, to take care of the money and uh, well. <laughs> teach them things that, that are actually productive instead of gender studies.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. And, and, and just choice, you know, I mean, just, just, just choice to sort of explore and expand. I mean, I, for one, for sure, would have turned out a completely different human if I didn't have the educational, you know, background that I did. I'm not complaining, right? I mean, I, my parents did the best they could. Absolutely. Right. And I did have like top education, but you know, when I think about it, it totally crushed, you know, that, that sort of environment. I always got into trouble. I was always in trouble in school, always one of the most in trouble, get suspended, whatever. Right. But I had good grades too. Cause I had a good memory. That's why, right. Like I have a good memory. So I can remember stuff so I could pass the tests, but I was always like squirming. I was always talking. I was always getting in trouble. Um, clearly it wasn't the right environment for me, you know, and yeah. uh, it is I, for some, right? But it's not from, for a lot.
0: I got, I got a lot of jugs in high school. <laughs> that was, uh, was not fun. For any of you who didn't go to Jesuit high school, jug, yugo, yugarum, uh, punishment. Some people would say justice under God, but it's really the Latin, yugo, yugarum.
1: Uh, yeah. I had some funny things. I remember the other day, like how in, in count was a trig class. Oh, I hated that. There was nothing I hated more than trigonometry. Like, there you go. Like, that's one of the things that it just crushed my, you know, enthusiasm for life in some ways to sit through that. Yeah. Uh, the teacher took a book, like it took, literally took the textbook and uh, slammed it on my head. <laughs> in the middle of Class 10th grade. I mean, I'm, I'm talking like my high school now is probably like a $50,000 a year high school. You know, I mean, it's like one of the tops. I mean, freaking, this is what was going on.
0: <laughs> right? No, it's. I, I was like, I, couldn't
1: take it. I was like, no. get me out of this thing. Like, this is horrible.
0: I remember uh, one trick I used to play. It's like junior year Latin. We had to take two years of Latin. I wound up taking four. My junior year Latin, our classroom was right next to the street. And our teacher was like a, a very well known hard ass. So I'd actually park my car right next to the window where his class was in the spring and I just like set my car alarm off <laughs> just, like, that's how bored I was like I would plan yeah. tricks out at six forty-five in the morning to to execute at like twelve fifteen during fifth period Latin class
1: <laughs> and you know you know what the sad part about it is though when I think back and I don't I don't like to be too sweeping in my condemnation of my education because you know we had this we had a few courses, which by the way, would probably be illegal at, at the school now. One was called British authors, right? <laughs> and it was all, and even when I was there in the late night in the mid nineties, it was controversial. You know, they were like, these are like dead white people. What are we reading them for? You know, and I was like, "Uh, okay, so like, I mean, if they're, if they've been dead for hundreds of years and we're reading them, that's probably a good reason to be reading them, <laughs> not the opposite, right? They've stood the test of time, Lindy, I guess you'd call it to use Nassim Taleb's vernacular. Um, So, but it was, you know, but it was, I liked it, you know, I mean, we had this course called, I think they got rid of this too, integrated liberal studies. And Mm -hmm. in that we read Kant in high school. Mm -hmm. And I remember our teacher being like, again, I have a philosophical mind. My mind does not uh, work as well as a lot of people in a lot of ways, but stuff like that works. And I remember the teacher was like, oh, this is going to be really hard for a lot of you guys. Like you might not get it. Yeah, know, I was like, I read it. I was like, well, wait, what's the problem here? You know, but, but it was cool that that they introduced me to that. Right. St- you know, that stuff we read. We read a lot of cool like Aristotle, Plato, like we, you know, not the whole books, but excerpts and pieces to sort of get your juice, you know, your mental juices flowing. And I, I that, that was very valuable to me. So the lesson here, I think at least is um, formal education can be really good, but there needs to be more of a, you know, a, a b- ability to select, you know, to, to assume that through 18 years old, you, you, you have no agency to to know what you're interested in and be allowed to pursue it is i think wrong right
2: yeah
0: no I agree in
1: college you are, but shouldn't you be a shouldn't you be allowed that freedom earlier yeah to, to choose your curriculum i think so
0: yeah, no, that's why I was very fortunate to have a similar experience in in high school I mean again, I was angry at the tarp bill because I was taking an elective <laughs> elective economics class that um, I decided to take on my own. could have taken a science class, literature class, but yeah, I wanted to take that at econ class and it sent me down this weird rabbit hole. It's put me where I am right now, speaking with Michael Krieger. It's been yeah. an incredible. We're two hours in almost already. Yeah. But um, I think, again, like I'm excited that you came back to write at this particular juncture in time. I think it is important, and, and again, to hone in on the focus of the cancel yourself message that you mm-hmm. sent yesterday is like, let's channel this energy that is pretty palpable right now towards productive right. things. Bitcoin being one of them.
1: Yeah. And you know, I don't know how much I'm going to write though. Like just to be clear, we'll which I mentioned in the piece, we'll see. I, I top priority now is to get the new, the new site up because yeah. it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right writing on the platform that is Liberty Blitzkrieg anymore for a lot of reasons. Okay. I've, I've, I've sort of moved on in my, um let's say perspective and and way i want to communicate how i want to communicate what i want to emphasize what i want to deemphasize as i said before like deemphasizing uh describing what's going on and trying to convince and emphasizing solutions and how to kind of take personal charge of the environment we're in but one of the real motivations also was and you know to Stay in touch with people because the scary thing about Twitter ban, right? Permanent bans is I put a lot of intellectual rigor actually into Twitter sometimes. You know I mean? I put my thoughts there. That's what those are my thoughts. And if Twitter gets rid of you, they get rid of you forever. You're gone, right? All of that stuff's gone. So if I have some good stuff and I'm putting it all on Twitter, that's a, that's a problem. And uh, it's scary actually. So I need to start up, you know, put my thoughts elsewhere. And the other thing is to collect an email list. You know, my, my email list on my blog, even though it's been going on for so long is, I mean, I never pushed it. You know, I never said, you know, subscribe. I did this time, but I never did in the past because I didn't see that urgency, but you know, maybe only like 4,000 email subscribers, you know, where I have 36,000 Twitter followers. It's a big problem there. You know, if if I can't reach, I need to be able to reach people. So (laughs) anyone listening to this sign up for my email list, you know, just so I can stay in touch. I'm not going to spam you.
0: I was one of those people who wasn't signed up, signed up yesterday. Thank you. Um, No, I agree. I I think email lists specifically and content like podcasts that can be pushed through RSS feeds are going to be huge. Yeah. Like what Adam Carey is doing with podcasting 2.0 and the podcasting index and really just incorporating Bitcoin at the HTML level and just putting a Bitcoin lightning public node key in your RSS code is ingenious and that really opens up a a way to distributed um, robust content production that i think that's going to be the trend is emails paired with rss feeds and incorporating lightning into it somehow
1: yeah i was going to ask you actually now that you mention it's interesting because you know we saw with rogan and youtube is completely unreliable now and him going to spotify but whatever i mean that's a centralized company. It's not interesting at all that he's there to me. What do you think as far as do you, do you put your podcast out on, you know, more, let's say, censorship resistant platforms, or are you planning on doing it? I'm completely ignorant on this topic.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of RSS, right? So I'd syndicate this podcast via an RSS feed that Anchor um, hosts right now. So it goes out to... 20 plus podcasting platforms right. now. Um, but then like RSS too, since it's out in the RSS feed, like anybody hypothetically could just get the RSS feed and pull it directly to their, uh, okay. their computer and listen That's to cool. it there instead of depending on a iTunes podcast Got app it. or whatever it may be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should tell
1: me the, the best way to listen to this when it's done, like the most freedom way to listen to
0: it. <laughs> Sphinx chat. Okay. If you haven't downloaded it yet, it's in beta. Wow. Um, chat.
1: Okay, great to know.
0: It's actually cool So for content production. for So people that listen to Tales from the Crypt via the Sphinx chat. So the Sphinx chat is connected to my Lightning node. It's picking up my sure. Lightning node, which I put in the RSS feed. And basically, if you listen to me podcast via the Sphinx app, since it's connected to the Lightning network, freaks listening on the app are able to stream me sats per minute listened so oh that's amazing you can set your threshold you can send me like say hey it's the value for value model that no agenda runs trying to incorporate that into podcasting 2.0 and using lightning to do so so yeah the users can set it set their thresholds like hey i want to give marty 10 sats per minute i listen to his podcast right um and got yeah
1: that that sounds uh, like see this is this is what you were saying before which is that sort of integration with bitcoin and speech Makes, yeah. It's a, it's a perfect. I mean, it's a it's a it's a perfect match.
0: Yeah, it's it's inevitable. It's happening, but let's chat, hope so. <laughs> we need let's hope so because we need people to channel energy correctly. Don't yes. let the media right. spit you into an angry red versus blue mob. <laughs> I've fallen prey to it too. Um,
1: oh, we all do. I mean, it's 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 a it, every single day. It's it's a
0: psychological. That, that's batter. why I say
1: yeah. That's why I say consciousness. Right? Because like. A lot of people will see that word and think it's just mumbo jumbo, but of course it's not. I mean, consciousness is just being, is awareness, right? Yeah. Aware of your own thoughts, your own actions. And if you can like step outside of yourself and think about your thoughts and your actions from that place, right? That like egoless place, you're going to have a much, you got to look at yourself almost like your 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 actions and your words are a movie and you're watching yourself and how would you, how would you judge that right. that, that person, right?
0: Yeah. And, it, and you'd be surprised too. You can will the existence yeah. you want, the reality you want into existence. Absolutely. And like you said, sometimes things are
1: just interesting out there. Like it's almost just perfect divine justice how Bitcoin came when it did, right? Right, right. at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> the perfect moment.
0: You couldn't time.
1: Uh, couldn't have timed perfect. it
0: better. Yeah. No. Well, Michael, this is always a pleasure. Number two in the books. I can't wait to do it again. Um yes. hopefully we'll maybe we'll do this like every six months. I feel like that's when we release the last one.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good window of time for, for, for things to shake up and me to have more to say and us to have more to talk about. It was yeah. great. Loved it. One of my favorite conversations always.
0: <laughs> well. Thank you again. I'm a a huge fan of all you've done throughout the year, so it's always a pleasure for me to to get you on the horn and, and share this conversation with the freaks because I know they they love this this talk too. It's very optimistic, and that's why I love speaking with you. Is because instead of falling down the the path of doom, imminent doom, optimism is is a much better picture to paint.
1: Right, because it will. Right, so just to, to finish, if you don't have hope or you don't see a path forward. Then you're guaranteeing a bad outcome. Yeah, you know it's 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 that it's like goes back to that Gandhi quote that I love the most, which is like, it's not about the fruit that your labor produces. It's about the labor itself, right? It's like it's not an ends. It's not the ends don't justify the means. The means are everything. Like, if you if you quit, if you, if you say it's over. I mean, I get this all the time from people, right? With with Bitcoin, they're like, oh, the state's just gonna crush it, or right, or 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 no. They they tell me how there's no hope for the future. Right? I get all these people squawking on Twitter about how there's no hope, and I just say to myself, I'm just like, okay, you've 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 raised the white flag, right. you've given up. What what what? Why are you even breathing? <laughs> you right. know? And why are you telling me this to try to drag me down to your place? Yeah, sack you up. Know? I ignore those
0: people. Yeah, Second bitches. The opportunity is too exactly. large to, to pass up right now.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to find the people I'm ready to go to go to battle with, and a lot right. of them are Bitcoiners.
0: Right. Man, knows? You know, yeah, we're going to end on a positive note. I think that <laughs> we're going to build tools that'll make us successful in battle. Yes. Michael, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.
1: You too, Marty. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you. I'll put everything where you can find Michael in the show notes. Don't worry, freaks. Look there. Peace and love.